Welcome to the GC Podcast, a podcast to help you develop into the healthiest ministry leader you can be by sharing practical ministry experience. Hello, friends, and welcome to today's episode of GC Podcast. This podcast is devoted to exploring best ministry practices in the context of Grace Communion International Churches. I'm your host, Kara Garrity, and today I am happy to interview Pam Morgan. Pam is GCI Operations Coordinator. She's married to Matt and has a son, Matthew, with daughter-in-law, Natalie, her granddaughter, Talia, and then daughter, Jessica, with son-in-law, Johnny, and their grandson, Henry. She surprisingly to some has a motorcycle license and one of her new favorite activities is zip lining. So Pam's pretty adventurous. Pam, thank you for joining the pod today. It's good to have you. It's great to be here, Kara. Thanks for the invitation. Of course. So today, the focus of our time together is establishing rhythms of planning in the life of the local church. So before we get started, I'd love to know what's important to you about this topic today. Oh, planning, planning, planning. So my, you know, I'm a huge person who likes to plan and organize. I'm, mm. I'm more of a behind the scenes person. Mm-hmm. So for me, um, planning is, it, it's fun, actually. Yeah. I know some people don't think that's true, but I actually think it's fun because I think it gives you an opportunity to think about what can be, yes. but also what can't be, mm. but also think about the people that you're working with or the people that you are coming alongside, um, your team, uh, and getting input. And I think um, it's also an opportunity to be able to um, bless those that you're coming alongside, but also those that you may be doing the event for, and just taking that all into the context. Um, there's a lot in the details, but I think those details are important. Mm. And I think they are what make things work ultimately for the betterment, and in this case, the betterment of um, getting people to get out into their neighborhoods, to get into um, rhythms of spending time with um, our Father, Son, and Spirit, and and coming alongside in whatever it is that they're working through. Yeah, that's so good. And I love hearing you say that it's fun. We need people that planning is fun for, right? (laughs) Yeah, we do. It's not everybody's thing. Yes. But if we don't, um, I think uh, we can have some utter chaos. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that gets me to my first question that I think is really foundational. What makes planning an important piece of establishing healthy church rhythms? Wow. So I think if we don't plan, I think um, that, as I mentioned before, we aren't, we're not preparing. We're not mm. actually um, doing our part. It's it's very easy as an individual to plan, to not yeah. plan, to just go and do our own thing. Right. But if we're trying to take in everybody and we want to hear everybody's voice and we want to be um, in collaboration and in teamwork, I think it's important for us to take that first step of planning whatever it is we're going to do. Um, no matter how big or how small it is, I think it will help <clears throat> those that we're working with, but also those that we're working for. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's... Um, it's very easy sometimes to think, oh, that's not important. Let's just do it. We can just do it. You know, right. you have your people who want to just charge forward and just do. And yeah, that works sometimes. But I think if you're really trying to be intentional and um, as we go further and further into whatever the details are, if you have a plan, then it makes it a lot easier for everybody to be on board and everybody to be part of the process. Yeah. And what I hear you, I, I love what you're saying about people being able to be part of the process. And it makes it easier to be team-based, right? Because yes. 
more people can have a voice, more people can participate when things are um, orderly and, and planned out in advance. Right. I agree because if we don't, if we're thinking about team-based, I as an individual can go and do something. Right. And, you absolutely. know, you can do it all. You can, you, you know, you can work your fingers to the bone and get it done. Mm-hmm. But if you're trying to think about your team and being able to uh, relegate duties or to just work together, yeah. if you don't have a plan, nobody knows what to do. And right. you, then it becomes one of the s- silos where you're doing it all and you're in charge, but nobody else knows what to do. And they may support you, but it can become very adversarial too. Mm. And I don't think you can do as good a job at, yeah. um, if you're not working as a team. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. That's a really important point because that's when we think about healthy church, we want to be team. We want to encourage yes. participation. We we want to see that happening in right. our in our churches. And so, you know, I I um, mentioned like rhythms of planning as well, being part of healthy church rhythms. So, what makes rhythmic planning versus arrhythmic planning um, helpful in the life of a local church? Well, I think rhythms are important in the local congregation. I think if we don't have the rhythms, um, we're just kind of going along. We're maintaining Mm. the status quo. You know, we're not um, actually anticipating the needs or finding out what's going Mm. on. Uh, We don't know what's happening around us because we're just deciding. We're not looking at, uh, for example, the worship calendar. We're not following the worship calendar. We're not bringing that into part of our planning. We've just decided we're going to do this event uh, this time every Mm -hmm. year, and we're just going to keep doing it, or we're going to do this activity every year at this time. And I think if we don't look at the rhythms, we don't look... Personally, I feel like we start with the worship calendar, that that's where we start our rhythm. And if we're not doing that, then what we're doing is we're saying we don't need you. You know, mm. we're just going to do whatever. Um, we're not working as a team. We're not focused. Uh, we're not um, participating together. Mm. Rather, we've just decided we've always done it this way, and so we're always going to do it this way. Right. There's no opportunity for change. Right. And I, I really like that phrase you use, like anticipating the needs, because it's thinking about in, in advance, you know, right. what what are we going to do? It brings that level of intentionality and creates that room for, for discernment. It's not just... Let's keep doing things the way that we've always been doing it. And and when you plan in a rhythm rather than just doing things in a rhythm, it gives you that opportunity to come right. back and assess, to think yeah. about what might be different. So, yeah, that's really good. That's really good. I think you also get to tweak things. Yes. <clears throat> you get to say, this didn't work. Or maybe mm-hmm. our timing was not right for this. What are we not seeing, you know, yeah. even when we debrief or whatever we're thinking about, anticipating, are we not seeing – um, what what is really there? Have, have we just focused so much and put our all into this? So no matter what, we're going to do this. Right. And we're not willing to um, step aside and let the Holy Spirit guide it and listen right. to the Holy Spirit. Be open to that. Yeah. So it creates <clears throat> that space of reflection. Yes. Versus yeah. like, oh, we just have these things that we want to do. And so we're going to plan it. And then we're going to do this. And then we're going right. to do that. But we really yeah. have this rhythm of reflection. Yeah. And then planning. And so maybe it's it's that idea of um, responding instead of reacting to what's I going like on as well. Yeah. Yes, that's, exactly. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And so when you're thinking about um, establishing a rhythm of planning, what are some of the things that you consider? I think um, as probably where I start is going to be budgeting, really, yeah. and, and thinking about how um, how is this going to impact everything. And I mm-hmm. think I start planning. If you're talking about timing, I would say, you know, traditionally in um, – 
GCI, we start planning in October, mm-hmm. uh, the year before the, f- the year that we're going to do things. Uh, we have um, we start planning our budget. We start thinking yeah. about financially, how are we going to be able to do the things that we'd like to do? And I think that's where you start. You have to, you have, to have some place to start. Why not? Unfortunately, it's the money. The money does, you know, sometimes decide what we can and can't mm-hmm. do. Um, and that it doesn't always have to, but we have to start somewhere. So I think right. um, starting there and, and having that conversation with sitting down with um, the pastor and the Avenue champions and laying out your worship, you know, look and bringing in the worship calendar, but looking at it from the following year. What are the mm, things mm-hmm. within the worship calendar, in the rhythms of the sh- worship calendar, can we do with all of our avenues, maybe cross- Crossing over into those avenues, mm. how are we going to work these things through? What are the thoughts and ideas uh, that we'd like to um, come to? Uh, whether it's an event, whether it's the worship service, whether it's a, a connect group, whatever it mm. might be, how can maybe those things come together? But if we yeah. don't start with all of us working together, then we're not team-based. Yeah. We're not really working as a team. Rather, we're individual avenues and the pastor, and we're not overseeing, you know, and looking at working together. So I think we have to start with a budget, but we have to work together um, as we plan out the year. And I Mm. do think, I I really think it's a wonderful opportunity to be able to sit down and plan the year. Um, You're going to have not just the worship calendar, but you'll have uh, the timing of everything. And how is that going to flow in your environment, mm. where your neighborhood is, because it's not going to be the same in every neighborhood. How does that flow in your congregation? Because you may or may not have children. You may or may not have teens. And so you have to think about how's that work with our membership and come together. So I think that's yeah. where I would start. Yeah. And I think that you you named a couple of things that I think are, are really important when um, uh, as a local church, we might be starting to develop our, our rhythms of planning. First, that rhythm of, of starting in October to plan for the, the next year. Mm-hmm. I think we might think, well, that's so early. We're, we haven't even mm-hmm. finished this. Year. It's not even the fourth quarter of this year. Why are we planning already? But if you start planning in January for that year, you've already lost so much time. And so can you talk a little bit more to us about um, how you've found that helpful to start yeah. planning? Planning in advance. Well, I think we have. If we wait until, you know, the right before we're ready to have whatever mm-hmm. maybe we're doing, we have run up against. You will probably run up against um, people who have things already planned. Mm-hmm. There are people mm-hmm. who are planners. There are people that do things at the last minute. But I think if you don't start in October, because October is when you're going to have to put together and find out. You have to think about monetarily what yeah. can you. But also, if you're going to use. Um, other venues, mm. if you're going to plan things in people's homes, even if it's just if you're talking about connect groups or if you're talking about doing an event and you're doing it outside, do you have the space? Do you Is the weather mm. permitting? If you're not thinking about how um, things will go, you may be waiting until it's too late to actually do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if we don't take into account um, the calendar year. On top of the worship calendar, we have a calendar year. We have rhythms. And you don't want to be doing stuff in a very busy time of year for if you have families. Um, If you are planning to do something around holiday weekend, three-day weekends are not a good time to do things. Right. Because families typically are going to travel or they're going to go camping if it's the summertime Mm -hmm. or they're going to do things. So you want to think about those things. How does that work? And if you wait until... Even if you waited until a month before, I, you're probably not going to get the same um, support f- 
from your yeah. membership, you're not going to have the same resources uh, that you might have had if you had planned ahead of time. Um, I think uh, there are a lot of things we don't think about. The little details, some people can work very easily and work under that pressure, others don't. And I think we have to think about how is this impacting um, those who are going to serve mm. and those people that we want to serve. Are we hitting them at the right time? Right. Because if we don't, if we don't think about um, planning, we may be planning a um, a winter event. You know, let's just say we're going to go. We're going to go plan this winter ski event, and we're going to uh, invite all of the people, and we're planning it for March. Well. Really? I mean, is March really the best time to plan a winter mm -hmm. event? We have to think about the um, the rhythms, as I said earlier, in the community, within our congregation, within our families, within mm. everything. How is that all working together? Um, and right. if it's not, I think it's because maybe we haven't planned. You know, yeah. we have not taken the time to uh, actually look at the calendar, the physical calendar, not just the worship calendar, but the annual calendar as well. Yes. And when you take that time in advance, even before that calendar year starts and and that thing about October is nice, too, because that's actually right before the worship calendar starts as yes. well. It's before um, in a typical year Advent would start. Right. Uh, you can think about you, you can take your time to kind of lay all those calendars next to each other, look at what's happening in the neighborhood, look at venues and, and plan for a year and not just plan jumping from event to event, kind right. of always feeling like you're behind. Yeah, I think it also helps everyone else and know, here's what we're going to be doing for the yeah. whole year. Yes. And they can plan their time around it, yes. too, if you've taken that into consideration. And they can get excited about it and want to be a part of it and be included and be part of that team that's coming alongside and doing whatever it is. You know, October is kind of a slower month, too. It's a time mm -hmm. when you're resetting. You're maybe thinking about your, what did you do last year that didn't work? Mm -hmm. And you're reassessing it and maybe rethinking, well, maybe we shouldn't do that this year. Let's do something different or tweaking whatever it may be. And that's part of that sitting down and planning. Mm -hmm. um, otherwise, you might not think about that. You may have debriefed about something you did in January um, and you debriefed about it in January. Well, it's now October. Maybe you need to bring out the reminders of everything that happened for whatever right. you were doing in that time of year and, and say, okay, is this going to work or not? Did that time of year work well for what we were doing? Do we need to reassess and retweak things a little bit? Mm. Yeah, that's good. I think kind of what I, the, the image that I have, it, it gives you a little bit of room to breathe, to plan with intentionality yes. for the year. And you're that's, not overwhelmed. Yes, you yes. Can, you can say, we're going to do all these things. And then you're thinking, well, how are we going to do all these things? You know, we're a small congregation. We yeah. don't have the strength and energy. That's where I think it gets you excited if you're intentional about mm -hmm. planning only a couple of things maybe and thinking about what can we do to make this really good yes. and the timing so that it works for everybody. Yes. <clears throat> and the other thing that I think you said that's really critical is you um, come together and you make that annual plan as a team, mm -hmm. you know, the pastor and the Avenue champions, because then we are being team based as as even in, in our rhythms of planning, because right. that supports our team based on the day to day. Right. It supports the integration of the avenues. Um, yeah. yeah, I think that that's excellent. Excellent. So you mentioned even starting with with the budget. What are some of the things that you consider when putting together an annual budget? Oh. <laughs> um, <clears throat> well, I think I start with, um, I mentioned earlier, I think as part of that 
budget planning, you start with your calendar. Um, I think you sit down not just with <clears throat> the, the worship calendar, but the annual calendar. I think you look at what you did before. And mm. if you haven't done anything, um, you brainstorm. You know, what is it that we'd like to do? But if you have done something in the past, I think you start from there. What did it cost us to do this maybe in the mm, past? Mm -hmm. We have to sit down the things that we know are going to cost money. Um, you know that if you have a paid pastor, you have their salary and their benefits. You know that you have your hall rental. Mm -hmm. uh, you know that you want to do certain things. You know, you want your worship experience to be a wonderful experience. You may have, um, so these are things that are kind of set that you're actually planning and, and looking at. And those numbers may not change. They may be adjusted a little bit. But I think when you when you you start there and you see well, where are we? Have we lost some members and we just don't have the same income that we're going to have this year that we had last year? So mm -hmm. where do we need to make some cuts and changes? Um, where do we need to make some tweaks so that we can still do the things we wanted to do, <clears throat> um, but maybe we don't do them as elaborately as we mm -hmm. have, or maybe we go outside and we look for more fundraising, whatever mm -hmm. it may be. But I think you have to start with the bottom line is how much money do we have? And after yeah. we take off the givens, you know, the things that we know we have to be able to pay for. Then we can start from there and start working within our avenues and how can we work together as we lay down whatever it is that we're planning to do. And can we overlap some of those things? Mm. Can some of those expenses be covered by multiple avenues because we're working together? We're not um, independent silos where each avenue is doing their own thing independent of each other. Um, and yeah, it's working, but you're still an independent silo. And you're really not working because it's not bringing everyone together right. as a team. Um, you may have a team <laughs> in your particular avenue, but are you teaming together with the whole entire congregation right. in all the different areas? Um, so I think it is important to have that, that foundation of um, starting from somewhere. I think um, we don't, we always say, you know, you have to start, you have to know where your money is. There are things that we can do that don't cost money, too. And I think mm. that's part of budgeting. I think it's partly yeah. of thinking outside the box and saying, okay, what can we do that's not going to cost us anything? That's excellent. What yeah. are the things that we could do that um, we we have other resources? Or mm. maybe we charge for something, you know? Mm. Maybe maybe we're going to do a, um, a neighborhood camp, and we're going to charge to have the kids because they're coming, you know, for four mm -hmm. days straight, and we're providing certain things. Um, and we're going to charge a fee, maybe a small fee, mm -hmm. to help cover those costs. Uh, maybe we're going to go into the neighborhood and we're going to actually ask for donations right. for the snacks or for the supplies that we need. So I think we have to be outside the box mm. and be willing to try new things if we don't have the funds that we would like to have. Um, because just because you don't have the money doesn't mean you don't do things. You, mm. you find ways. You find ways to be creative. And hopefully you've got people on your team that are creative and thinking about that. There are other alternatives. Um, alternative ways to do things if the money doesn't show up. Yeah, that's good. I really like that that aspect of thinking outside the box in terms of budgeting as well, that that's part of what we think about right. when we put together uh, an annual budget. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And so we talked about... Um, you know, putting together an annual activities calendar, how you can kind of plan, okay, these are the activities for the year. But then when it comes down to planning that that actual event, that, you know, one event that's happening right. that particular day or month, whatever, what do you consider when planning that single event? 
I think timing, I have to, you know, I think you mm. work kind of backwards. When is you want, when is it that you want to have this event? And then I think you start working backwards from the time that it's actually going to take place and start setting up an, mm. um, a timeline of when things have to happen That's and good. who are your needs, who are you going to be? Um, when you're, if let's say you've already decided what the event is, and that's where mm-hmm. I'm going to come from, is that we've already decided this is what we're going to do because we've already done the research. We've already l- looked at our neighborhood and we've seen this is what our neighborhood is looking for. Mm-hmm. This is something that we can do, we physically can do within our congregation and and, and resourcing and serving in this way. Um, after that's established, then I say start working backwards and, and making sure that you have um, a timeline that is comfortable for everybody, not yes. just you maybe yes. as the overall person, <laughs> but does this work for everybody who's coming alongside? Is mm. it realistic? Is mm. it too much? Um, are you meeting too many times to be able to do this? Or are you meeting just <sighs> enough times? Um, as you get closer to the event, you're going to want to have more more meetings mm-hmm. as you get closer. But I think you have to work backwards. And I would say, I, you know, when I look at something, you can't I would say you need three to four months to plan something, to do it effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, more is always better because then it gives you time to, if things don't go, you have more flexibility because right. you just don't know. The shorter time you give yourself, the more pressure you're putting on yourself as well as everyone else to make it all come. And mm-hmm. the more you give yourself, you can get things done ahead of time and you can do them as you have time. Right. Because we have to remember... Most of our people are volunteers. They have other lives. Yes. They have children. They have teenagers. Their activities in their kids' school, they mm-hmm. are, have life outside of the local church service right. or the church activities. They have friends. They have family. And so we want to be able to work together and to honor that and yes. to remember that they're volunteers and um, to give them flexibility and the opportunity to be able to pour into what that timeline looks like, too. Yes. That's really good. I I like that you started um, first, especially with, well, once you've kind of done the research and and been intentional about what the activity is, because that's part of where you um, start with planning an event is, is this the right event that we want to have? And then you go from there with kind of the logistics and and making it happen. Um, But that's that's really important. And then I I really like that idea of you. You start with the timeline and you, again, think from that that team base perspective. You've already mentioned a couple a couple of times about um, the worship calendar and how that's considered when we're when we're planning and creating our rhythms of planning. Is there anything else you'd like to add about how the worship calendar can be integrated into our um, rhythms of planning in the local church? I think that um, th- that when we look at the worship calendar, we shouldn't look at it by itself. Mm. I think we have to look at the rhythms of our members as mm. well. Um, and I don't know if I remember if I said this or not, but I think it's important to find, um, and the rhythms of what's happening in the neighborhood that yes. we're serving. Because it it may it may not, they may not work well, depending on the timing. Um, I, I, I think of um, different areas have different times of that they're doing certain things. You know, if you're living and your congregation is in a farming community and it's harvest time, you don't want to plan something, even though it would be a perfect time to do something based on the worship calendar right. to do now. You won't want to do it because you're not going to get you're not going to get the um, the input from your members if they're farmers too, and you're not going to get the community to be a part mm-hmm. of this because they're busy. We have to think about those things and we have to adjust accordingly. And there's there's always something happening within the worship calendar that's going to 
work well within your areas. Yes. Uh, and I think we have to um, take that into account, depending on where we are, depending what where we what needs we're trying to meet, but also what needs we can meet um, because of where we are located, because every area is different around the world. And so we have to think about that, no matter what we're working on and how we're approaching it, just because it works well in one area is not gonna, in one congregation, it's not gonna be the same in another congregation. So we have to meet the needs for our individual congregations. Yes, and that's so good because that gets the like contextualizing the the worship calendar to the 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 actual lived lives of yes. the congregation of the neighborhood and community that you're in, um, and not just kind of following it in a detached mechanical kind of way. Because yeah. when we talk about the worship, the worship calendar is all about the rhythms of telling the story of Jesus's yes. life. <laughs> and is there any kind of context where we can't tell the story yes. of Jesus's life? Yeah, no. And so it's just. We we just are intentional in our planning about what that looks like, what it looks like for us to tell the story of Jesus's life in a farming community, in this other community, in right. this setting, um, and to do it in a way that makes sense. I mean, it right. comes back to we're always talking about um, incarnational ministry, place sharing, right. and that again, it, it if you're intentionally planning, you have time to look at that. But if you're a little haphazard at planning, you might just be like, oh, it's it's Advent, so we have to do this right. big thing. But then you didn't realize it was harvesting season or right. something like that. Well, and I think we can take it as a checklist, too. We can look at the worship yes. calendar. Okay, I need to do something this. I need to do something here. I need to do something here. And we aren't taking into account what you're saying. We, yeah. We've just become a checklist. We haven't thought about the rhythms, and we haven't thought about Jesus and where he is in this yeah. picture. He's everywhere. So no matter what we do, it's bringing, he, it's partly, it's explaining him, it's teaching him, it's bringing people to him. And I think right. that's where we have to, we have to be open to know that we can only do what we can do. Mm. And that's all he wants too. He wants to bring people to Christ. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's, that's the beauty of, of the role that planning plays is, is it's this, take that time to see and reflect and, and pray and discern. God, what are you already doing in our midst? Right. And not just, I think it creates kind of a barrier for us against just doing the checklist. Yes. Because when we're, yeah. we are stressed and pressured on yeah. the time, then we're like, okay, done, done, mm -hmm. done, done, done. Right. But when we're planning in advance and we can have that intentionality, well, God, where are you showing yourself right. in, in our community, in our midst? How can we join you mm -hmm. in that and participate in that? Yes. Yeah, that's okay. so good. Yeah. That's that's so good. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> so Pam, could you I, I'm wondering, could you share with us an example of a time that you've you've personally experienced um, having rhythms of planning contributing to the healthy growth of your local church? Yeah, I can. Um, <laughs> this is going to be because it's been a long time ago. <laughs> so uh, probably over 20 years ago. Um, before we really knew, you know, we were we we were probably our congregations were a little bit more um, separated in the mm. sense, you know, we were doing our things. Um, even before doing a neighborhood camp was the thing to do, we were doing a VBS in my congregation, okay. um, and we decided that we would, tr you know, try it. Uh, we were a very um, we had the numbers. We had a, a very large children's ministry and a large teen ministry, and by large I mean we probably had twenty five children mm. under the age of 12 um, and we probably had 
15, 20 teens. So we were doing, you know, we had right. a, a good um, group of young people. And we had the con- the members that could support, you know, mm. were there. So um, as, uh, we decided we would do a VBS and we would invite the community or the neighborhood oh, yes. to to our VBS. And um, it wasn't something that was a small task, uh, but I do remember um, a lot of planning went into it. Uh, Marianne Stevens was my cohort or my co-counterpart. She and I were the ones who were working on it. And um, we worked as a team and mm. we could not have done it if we had not. Yes. If we did not have the support of the members of our pastor, um, it would never have worked. And, you know, thank goodness and thank God, because he gets all the glory for this. Mm-hmm. It was. It went well. And we did it for several years after that. Wow. And we would yeah. tweak it every year. We'd do something different. Um, I'm, one year, I think we had um, a, an actual parenting class while we were doing the VBS, oh, wow. where the pastor was going through a book, and we gave the book away to the parents for those who wanted to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, and they went through this book, and that was a really big hit for the parents. Uh, but at the same time, we had our children and our teens. Our teens were helping with the mm. with the VBS. They were, you know, they were taking leads roles. Um, we had adults that we had prayer partners. I mean, yeah. everybody was part of this. And um, we were inviting our neighbors, mm-hmm. um, and we were inviting other congregations, um, other GCI congregations in the area as well, because we were able to do that. Um, but it was it took work. It mm. it was work, and it, but it took planning, and it also took teamwork. Yeah. And I, when I look back now, I think, wow, I, it's kind of hard to believe that we actually did it. But boy, God blessed it, you know, mm. and we got to— um, See, the kids loved it. We got to see uh, how to work as a team, really, because it wasn't um, individuals. We we all had to come together, and we had to plan, and we had to make sure it went well. And we all had our roles, or maybe our individual roles, but we were still working as a team. And I think um, all that goes, you know, if, if we weren't working as a team, I could have seen it fail. There were mm. things that didn't work. Things went sure. wrong because there's never anything that's perfect. But it also helped us to learn what to do differently the next year. Mm -hmm. It helped us to see what we needed to do um, to make it better um, and to make it more engaging or whatever it may have been. So I I think we can always learn. Um, I've never done an event that was perfect. And and I know I never will. I'm Mm -hmm. I'm not... the triune God. You know, I, right. I don't expect that. But I do expect to do a good job yeah. because I want it to be a blessing to those that we're doing it for. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I know I'm going to have to learn and I have to mm. be willing to see mistakes were made so that we can make it better the mm. next time, um, no matter what it is, uh, whether it's a local congregation event, whether it's um, or a big event that you're doing. No matter what it is, I think we have to be willing to take a step back and say, okay, what did we do wrong? Yeah. And what can we do differently? And I think it's important to do that debriefing and to have that conversation and to be open and honest and to know it's not about taking it personally. It's not about failures, but it's about how to make it better mm. and not only make it better for those that we're serving, but for those who are coming alongside on our team and, and serving um, and doing the serving yes. um, because we want it to be a good experience for them too. You right, know? So. right. 
No, absolutely. Thank you for sharing that that experience and kind of, you know, all aspects of that experience. And that kind of gets into you. You answered this, um, you know, for the most part. So I want to see if you have anything more that you want to <laughs> add. But that leans into my next question. What do you do when things don't go oh as planned? <laughs> ah, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh, man. You know, in the moment, Sometimes you you don't maybe handle it the way you should. <laughs> Been there, done that. Um, I think um, when things don't go well, um, it never seems to happen in the times when you want, you know, in, right. in a good time you know, right. or in the right time or the right place or it's just not, you know. Uh, but I think um, when it doesn't go well, yeah, it's hard to say, hey, I was wrong and I didn't mm. do this well. And yes, that's difficult. But we have to be willing to do that, and 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 as hard as that may be, um, I think it's important for us to do that. Mm. Um, if we're in charge of an event or, or we're coordinating it or whatever it may be, if we're not willing to say we did it wrong, what does that say to our team members? You know mm. that they have to be perfect, that they have to do right. it right, and they can never make a mistake. And also, it doesn't give the flexibility, I think, for us to know that there are better ways to do it, and we may mm. not have the best way. Mm. And that's not easy. Sometimes it's really hard to step back and go, okay, I know this is not right. I know I've done this wrong. I need to be told. You know, and sometimes that's hard. And I think we have to be open to that. We have to be willing to listen and to hear, hey, there's a better way to do this, and let's do it that. Let's try it, mm. you know. I think that makes it – because we have to remember again – Who's this for? Yeah, you know who is this? What is this about? It's not about me. Mm. It's not about my team. It's about um, the relationships that we're building. It's about bringing people to Jesus. It's about having those connections, mm. and those connections will not, and those relationships won't happen if we're not willing to adjust accordingly, um, and learn from the mistakes we've made, and hopefully maybe change them and um, find a better way to do things the next time around. Yeah. Oh, that's that's powerful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as painful as it is, it that's, is. that's powerful. It is hard to say you're wrong. It's hard yeah. all of us for anybody. It's hard to say I didn't do that right. Um oh. and I need to be corrected and I need but it's how we approach it too. It's yeah. how do we approach one another when we're dealing with um things that go wrong and how do we handle the situation and we never handle it well probably in the heat of the moment um, but hopefully we learn and hopefully we can help one another to do it better the next time right and even as I I hear you describing that it it really makes me um I just I just hear in you the heart that like planning is a ministry Mm. (laughs) you know it it is a ministry a ministry of of its own and so um to bring that that heart to it that it's not about me it's about what god is doing in our midst is is an incredible thing yeah yeah and so what um what final words or encouragements pam would you leave with our (laughs) listeners um i would say just go out and try you know um just keep keep trying and and learn. Don't not do something because you don't think you can. Mm. Um, don't not do something because, well, we don't have the numbers. Yeah. Don't not do something because, well, we've never done it before. Mm. I think we have to be willing to, to step out and on faith. We do the work, we plan, we do the things, right. but we also can step out on faith and know that God's got us, and He is going to be there alongside with you. He's mm-hmm. not going to abandon you. He's not going <laughs> to forsake you. He is there 
and yeah. especially if you've started with him he, and, mm-hmm. and you remember that this is about him. Yeah. I think he's always going to be there and he's going to come alongside and he's going to guide. Um, I think we have to be willing to say yes. Mm. No matter what, we have to be willing to take that step and say yes and, and be excited about what the what the opportunity, what the potential, what might happen. Mm. Because it could be amazing. Yeah. And um, if we're not willing to take that chance, we are missing out on something that's that um, is there and just waiting for us to grab onto and go with. Mm. That's an exciting encouragement. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the space where possibilities <laughs> yes. can come alive <laughs> in prayer, <laughs> discernment. Oh, that's excellent. This has been such a rich conversation. Thank you, Pam, for sharing out of your experiences <laughs> and your um, expertise in, in planning and, um, you know, putting together events and, and budgets and keeping things going. But I'm not finished with you yet. Of course I not. I do have... <laughs> A series of fun and exciting Uh, questions for you. Okay, here we go. (laughs) Yes. The first thing that comes to mind will be sufficient. Okay. Are you ready? I'll do my best. (laughs) If you had to delete all but three apps from your smartphone, which ones would you keep? (laughs) I'm sorry. Um, All but three apps? Yep, you can only keep three, Pam. Oh. You haven't looked at my phone. I don't have that many apps. <laughs> uh, and by the way, Androids are in. I'm oh. sorry. iPhones oh. are out. Androids oh. are in. <laughs> this uh. message has not been approved. <laughs> um, I would have to keep WhatsApp, okay, because okay, I yep. use that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, because people who have iPhones can't get messages from people who have Androids, oh, like yes. pictures. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's see. What else would I keep? Um, oh, I have a, a, a <laughs> an app called Aura. A, I think it's A U R. It's an app that my kids send me pictures. I have a uh, what do you call it? A, a, f- a frame at home, oh. and my kids send me pictures of my grandchildren. Yes. So I have that. So I couldn't so get rid of that. Keep. And um, probably Outlook. Yeah. <laughs> Because I I use that a lot. So those are the three. All right. That's solid. That's solid. All right. If you could instantly become an expert in one thing, what would it be? Patience. Oh, that's good. That's a good one. All right. If you could live anywhere in the world for a year, where would it be? Um, Anywhere in the world? Anywhere. Uh, Venice. Ooh, that's (laughs) nice. (laughs) You have to put that on your bucket list. (laughs) All right. If you could have an unlimited supply of one thing for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh, unlimited supply of one thing. Hmm. Time with family. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Oh, so wholesome. (laughs) (laughs) You have such nice answers. (laughs) You sound surprised. (laughs) No, I'm just, it warms my heart, Pam. Thank you, Kara. (laughs) Well, this next question is good then because it's, what is one of your favorite activities with your grandbabies? Oh, yeah. It's spending time with my grandchildren. Um, Right now, because they're so young, they're 18 months and seven months. So it's just 
playing with them, yeah. just being the innocence and and um, going for walks Ooh. and you know just seeing what makes them smile. That's um, I fun. think that right now, you know, I'm sure yeah. that will change as they get older. But yeah, that's that's my favorite thing. Oh, I love that. <laughs> and then final question: What is your number one recommendation in Charlotte? Oh wow! Um, if I were going to do an an activity, which I recently did, it's called the. Um, it's a museum, and it's called. Okay, I'm taking a step back here. The Illusion Museum. Oh, yeah. If you've never been to the, I know people say, oh, you know, it's not. It was so much fun. Was it? It was a neat place to go to. And it was, you know, you can do it in about an hour, an hour and a half. Um, and old and young. I've heard people okay. say, oh, the old people wouldn't like it. I had a blast when I went. Um, my husband and I, we went with another couple. And it was great. It's a fun thing to do. And the people there are amazing. That Check is, out the Illusion Museum yeah, in Charlotte. Yeah, I'm going to have to add that to my list. All right, I do have one more question All for right. you. <laughs> what is your favorite restaurant? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Capital Grill. That's like oh, for very special occasions. Okay. Really nice restaurant in Uptown right. Charlotte. Ooh, that's good to know. Okay, I'll put on my special occasion bu- <laughs> yes. bucket list. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, Pam, thank you so much for spending time with us today. It has been a pleasure. Um, and we love to end our episodes with a word of prayer. So would you be willing to pray for our churches, our pastors, oh, ministry leaders, and members today? Definitely. I would love to. Thank you. Father, Son, and Spirit, we just come before you to thank you, Lord. We thank you for all of our pastors, our Avenue champions, our membership. Our um, Lord, we just ask you to watch over and protect them. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunities that you give to each and every one of them. And we just ask you to bless them. Bless them with their planning. Bless them, Lord, as they mm-hmm. um, are, are in the middle of events or activities, connect groups, uh, worship services, whatever it is, Lord, that they put their hand to do, we just ask that you honor it, that you come alongside them and that you guide them. Help them to be open, Lord, to trying new things and give them the encouragement that so many of them need right now. And I just pray and ask this all in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, until next time, folks, keep on living and sharing the gospel. We want to thank you for listening to this episode of the GC Podcast. We hope you have found value in it to become a healthier leader. We would love to hear from you. If you have a suggestion on a topic or if there is someone who you think we should interview, email us at info at gci.org. Remember, healthy churches start with healthy leaders. Invest in yourself and your leaders.